Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms of preteens, teens, and young adults. My mission is to first and foremost support and encourage you, mom, so that you can live well and reclaim your life. Two, this show will help you have the best possible relationships with your teens so that you can communicate, motivate, and guide them effectively and actually enjoy them. And third, I will bring you top-notch guests who will share the newest in adolescent research and trends so you can be prepared and aware of what your teens are facing today. Always you will leave each episode armed with practical parenting tips. Welcome back to the 254th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. How do you instill confidence, grit, and resilience in your teens? To answer this question, I invite Jesse LeBeau onto the show. Jesse is one of today's most highly sought after youth speakers and teen coaches. His unlikely underdog story has inspired millions of teens through his speaking, best-selling books, and youth programs. He is one of the world's premier basketball trick artists and is regularly featured on TV, film, and international tours. Jesse's new reality series, The LeBeau Show, allows viewers the chance to follow him around the country and see firsthand the major impact he is having on youth. Jesse is not only an amazing teen coach, but he has such great practical advice for moms. Jesse is definitely inspirational. I was inspired. So you may want to take notes. All right. So welcome, Jesse LeBeau. Here we are. We did it. We did it. Yes. <laughs> great to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you. So tell us about you. Tell us about your background and who you are. Yeah. So how much time you got here? I'll give it in a, <laughs> in a nutshell, Colleen. So okay. I grew up on a little island in Alaska. Oh. And every day, just to get to school, my family had to jump in a little boat and take it across the town. So our surrounding our little house was just the trees, the woods, the wilderness, and some wild animals. In town or the big city was literally just one road going each way, and then about 15 miles of road and a fence on either end. So you were really trapped and really isolated. And growing up, I didn't know that that wasn't normal. That was just like a normal existence. I thought everyone took the school boat, you know, uh, <laughs> to school. <laughs> and that was that. It was a really cool upbringing, but I had a big dream. And my dream that was that I wanted to be a basketball player. But the problem was, and you can't see it because I'm sitting right now, but I was by far the smallest kid, smaller than all the boys, smaller than all the girls. Mm. And so every time I shared this basketball dream that I had, people just really found a lot of joy in shooting me down and telling me that I wasn't big enough. I wasn't fast enough. I wasn't strong enough. And I just would never have what it takes to be a basketball player. And that led me to some bullying situations where I had a big epiphany and realized I could listen to these outside people and just give up. Or I could decide, you know what, I'm going to let this be fuel to this fire and I'm going to prove you wrong and I'm going to go for it. And that became my life. I was laser focused on basketball. I would dribble the ball all the time. People thought I was a little bit crazy because I always had the basketball and it made all the difference. And I was able to use basketball to have a high school career and then a college career and get my school paid for. 
And then eventually I was able to break into entertainment and be in commercials and movies and TV shows with people like Heidi Klum. I got to feed her cheeseburgers for a Carl's <laughs> Jr. commercial. My very first commercial was with Kobe Bryant. I got to put on his shoes and take on all of his powers. And this was the height of Kobe Bryant being Kobe Bryant, rest his soul. And then I just got to be in a movie called Thunderstruck with Kevin Durant. I started to get to travel all over the world and be teammates with my childhood idol, NBA superstar, Allen Iverson. So all of these crazy things, and it was all because of basketball, the thing I was told my whole life that I wasn't supposed to be able to do. So that's my big thing, man, is helping people. If you feel like an underdog, maybe that thing that you think is your weakness and the thing that people make fun of you for, the way you talk, the way you look, the way you dress, where you're from, what your parents do for a living, maybe that's your big ticket and you could turn it into your strength. So that's kind of how the whole basketball landscape went before I started working with kids or anything. Oh my gosh, that is such a great story. You know, I talk to moms all the time, obviously. Oh, my yeah. podcast is about that. <laughs> and a lot of moms are like, having a hard time because their kids aren't the big kids or the most talented sports kids. And they're just kind of on the fence of like, do I make them play sports or do I not? Because they're not like the superstars. So what would you say to that? Yeah, well, that is a great introspective thought for these moms. Because I see this all the time with the kids we work with is that a lot of times mom and dad push their I don't want to say ego, but they push their identity, the thing that they were really into, and they make it about them. Man, I go to my nephew's baseball games for these club games. Oh, my gosh. If you've been to any of these, the parents are nuts. They think that all their kids, every single one of them is going to be a professional baseball player. And mm -hmm. the truth is, none of them are. 0.001%, maybe if they're lucky. And it becomes unfair if it's not the kid's thing. So for me, my parents never had to push me. It helped that there wasn't a lot of things to do also on our little island in Alaska back when <laughs> I grew up, right? But I always looked at it like this. If there was a loose ball between me and another player, and I played against people all over the country, and sometimes they'd be from a place where they were very affluent, they had the best trainers and workout conditions, they played all year round. But when it came to me and them and getting that basketball, I was going to get it because I wanted it more. And I was willing to sacrifice and hurt my body to get it. And it wasn't how bad my mom wanted it for me. It wasn't how bad my dad or the trainer who worked me, it was what I had. So if that's the case, that's okay. Sports really are just meant to be used as a tool to teach us life lessons, mm -hmm. how to work hard, how to be a good selfless teammate, how to handle adversity and failure. So half the people are, are missing all the real importance of sports anyways. So find the thing that your kid's into. Maybe it's the chess team. Maybe it's the cheer squad. Maybe it's something on the computer and coding. It could be anything. But I do think it is good for them to find that thing, whether it's sports or something else where they can connect in person. That's a huge thing. But yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily be the sports. And it's okay if they're not the star. Yes. Because that's like, how often are you the star in everything in your life? <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hear you. So how do you approach understanding the unique perspectives and challenges faced by teenagers? Yeah. So today there's so many different things going on. It's such a different landscape. And when it comes to moms, I talk to about 10 to 15 moms for about two years straight every day. And so I would hear these things that are going on and you start to see patterns after a while. 
And so any mom that's listening to this, I'd say a couple things first. The first thing is offer yourself some grace. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're part of the Colleen community here, Mm -hmm. then you are in the 1% of the 1% who takes your actual free time and is trying to find some tools, some resources, some skills, some people that can help in your situation. So that right there to me shows that you are trying, you're not perfect, you have a selfless heart, but you're giving it all you got. And that right there, you need to give yourself some grace. Because when I'm on these calls with these moms, they're so hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Being a teen is hard. Yes. But being a parent of a teen is equally hard. Especially when you have to figure out, well, wait, there's something app called Be Real. I thought it was Snapchat I had to watch out for. Now there's five other things in the last month that they're doing that could be dangerous. So that part of give yourself some grace and then also do some self-care. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a chance to take care of yourself. Moms, I've learned, are the most selfless people on the planet and the busiest, the selfless mm-hmm. and the busiest. So also, it's like the analogy on the airplane. You can't help the other people if you don't help yourself. So make sure that you aren't stressed, you aren't anxious, you aren't depressed and do those things, whether it's just dedicating some time to go on a nice walk to have a nice meal, to actually get the right amount of sleep if that's possible, you know, in today's world. Those are the big ones. And then the other thing that I see with parents is so often they'll come to me and the kid's anxious, the kid's stressed, the kid's depressed. And the more I get to know the family, mom and dad are anxious Mm -hmm. and stressed Mm -hmm. and depressed and Mm -hmm. on their phone all the time. And that is where it starts. So everything starts with you. I went to a high school called Christian High School for two years. And I remember on the wall, it said, everywhere you go, evangelize the gospel. And when necessary, use words. Mm -hmm. And I never forgot that. And it really taught me the best thing that you can do as anything in life, just a leader, whether it's a parent or in your career or in your personal life, everyone today talks, everyone knows this and that, but how many people actually are walking the walk and living that truth? Mm -hmm. So, so many times, Parents want to say, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Well, unfortunately, your child is watching what you're doing and is picking up so much, whether you realize it or not. So really use your example. And when you mess up, that's okay too. Use that opportunity as a moment to have a conversation and be like, look, and I struggle with having a good attitude or being positive or not getting mad at the traffic when it's crazy and we're in a hurry. And those are some of the most powerful things when you can admit your flaws, your weaknesses, and be vulnerable. Ooh, preach. That's so good. That's good stuff. My daughter's 27 now, but I remember when she was early adolescence and she would do something and she'd lose her temper or whatever. And I would do exactly what you're saying. I would think it is her fault. But then I thought, okay, I've got to find my 1%. If I may not think it's 30% or 40%. I'm going to find my 1%. And every time I would go to my daughter and say, you know what, I'm really sorry, because I really was hard on you, or I was really abrupt, or I, you know, that really did sound really judgmental. My daughter immediately would own everything. She would tell me, Mom, no, I'm sorry, because I did these things. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how that works? Yeah. So this is good. It's such a powerful thing that being open. And I feel like this term is so overused, but being authentic, being vulnerable, but it does make all the difference. And 
that's one of the cool things with coaching mm-hmm. is we are able to be open and transparent and be like, you know, that's crazy. I struggled with that too when I was your age. I still struggle with it now. And now all of a sudden there's this commonality. They see your humanity. And like you said, I see the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Whoa, all of these things come out that we didn't know were going on underneath the surface. Yeah. And I think, I know you'll agree with me. I think teens are really, really good at their BS meter. I mean, they see you. Like, I remember my daughter was five years old and she said, and I thought I was fine. And she was like, mom, you need a quiet time because she knew I was really stressed. But if we as parents don't own what we're actually putting out in the world, our teens see it and then they think we're like hypocrites or fake. I would agree and even raise it that kids have the ultimate BS meter. (laughs) And that's one thing I learned really quick. After all the basketball stuff, I had like this big why moment. We took the basketball team back to my little hometown where I had spent all the time playing basketball. And we did this big game and the kids lined up. And it was so emotionally overwhelming for me. Even though this happened all over the world, I knew these kids' families. I knew their older brothers and sisters and parents. And that's when I was like, I'm going to start speaking. I'm going to write a book and I'm going to do all these things. And as I jumped headfirst into the world of youth motivational speaking, I learned really quick, wow, in front of a school, they smell it real fast. So you have to be real, you have to be open and you have to be honest. And I have, you know, some of the accolades and things I shared with you earlier, which I thought that's going to get the kids to listen. But what really connected them, it really made them line up and open up and cry to me afterwards was when I talk about feeling lonely. And when I talk about feeling not good enough and feeling an underdog and how all those emotions overwhelmed me when I was bullied. That's the thing. So I'm 100% there with you, man. The kids can and fill it out. And the more we can be real and share our humanity, the better. Yeah, that's really good. So in your coaching, how do you go about building confidence and resilience in teenagers? So I believe, and I believe it because the research shows it in the data, is that confidence is critical, if not the key to all of it. You name a situation that your daughter went through when she was going through her teen years or any of our listeners' kids are going through, I can almost guarantee that if their son or daughter had more confidence and self-esteem, they're going to be doing better in whatever area that is. So whether it's making friends at school, getting better grades, dropout rates, all the mental health stuff that we've been talking about, anxiety, stress, depression. Kids that believe in themselves are less likely to care what other kids think about them, and they're more likely to be leaders and not followers. And I'm telling you, the world needs more leaders. It feels like everyone just wants to follow these days, but to really stand up for something takes some courage. Mm -hmm. It takes some guts and it takes something tough inside of you. So when it comes to building that confidence piece that you asked about, really, you can't give your kid confidence. Unfortunately, you can say they're beautiful. You can say they're smart. You could say they're great at sports. But like you said earlier, they're like, my kid's not great at sports. They're not getting any time. They're on the bench. They can't barely get in the game. So what it takes is they have to earn it. And the only way to earn it is to accomplish small things or big things, but they can start with small things and that leads into the bigger ones. So you're struggling in school. You don't think you're smart. Guess what? You get some study habits. You do better on a grade. You get a B. You get a B plus, you get an A minus. Hey, all of a sudden, I can do this. It's not impossible. I just had to learn how to get away from the phone and the TV and isolate myself for 30 minutes and actually run through these flashcards. 
And it goes the same thing with sports. It goes the same thing with making friends. It goes the same thing for anything. Small wins adding up over time. Mm -hmm. And that makes all the difference to building that confidence. And then that effect will carry over into all the other areas of their life. I love that. And I know you'll agree with this, but I think what's really helpful is to be in competition with yourself. Mm. And then with, instead of like looking at other people, my daughter was really big into dance in high school. And so I would go to some of her summer institutes and I would watch these kids and you could tell they're really good, good instructors and the really bad ones in terms of how the kids responded. But What I would watch is when these kids could nail the jump, the spin, whatever that is, how you could just see them light up because they did this thing that they couldn't do. And it was hard and they couldn't do it 20 minutes ago and they just did it. So I think in this culture of perfectionism, when you're looking at like the pro athletes or the pro this or the pro that, that a lot of kids are like, well, I'll tell you one example. I had a girl, she was in my office, a teen, teen girl, and she loved to sing. And then she said, I'm not singing anymore. And I said, why? And she goes, well, I don't sing like Taylor Swift. Mm, I can't say anything (laughs) because I don't want to get attacked. I was about to say something. Yeah, but if if you're comparing yourself to the most successful and famous person in the world, probably today in the conversation. And if I'm not as good as her, then I shouldn't even try. Right. Yeah, or the athlete, or it could be in any area. And I think that what you're saying in terms of earning confidence, it's you seeing inside of you that you made progress, right? Yeah, I love that. It's a very mature place to be. That's something that I still struggle with as an adult. So I absolutely love that. And I think it touches on that resilience piece that you asked mm-hmm. about. Yeah, yeah. And resilience is really the key to success in a lot of things is failing. And learning that that is part of the journey to success. If I gave you all the things that I failed at instead of a few of the accolades earlier, I would still be talking. I failed so much more in sports and in every other area of my life than I ever succeeded. But you just don't hear about all those things. And so today, when kids only see Taylor Swift sells out stadiums and dates, you know, the super stud athlete from the NFL and is in every commercial that we see, you don't hear really about the things that she's struggling with. Although in this case, she does talk about it a little bit, I think, in her music. And she has that outlet, which is pretty cool. I'll tell you this quick little story that impressed this upon me. My dad, when I was growing up, we used to go and watch the older kids play sports. So we go to like the baseball game or the basketball game, and we would watch really closely the star player. But we wouldn't watch what they do when they hit the home run or the game-winning play or made the big shot, we'd watch what they do when they fail, when they dropped the pass or threw the ball out of bounds or struck out. And then we'd see what was their attitude in that moment. Anyone can have a good attitude and be happy and have that smile on their face when they land that jump, right? But Mm -hmm. what you do when the ball isn't bouncing your way in life and in sports makes all the difference. And that's why I believe so much in this concept that attitude is everything and things work out the best for those who make the best out of how things work out. So I really think as parents and the moms listening to this right now, not just completely shielding your kid from failure and from rejection, it sucks seeing them not make the team or landing the jump. It is so hard as you love them so much. But 
that's good for them because that's what's going to happen to them in life. And mm-hmm. so they get used to experiencing that now. And that's part of why we have all the problems right now and COVID, you know, exacerbated it with a lot of kids are going to college and they're back before the first semester ends because they can't handle any type of adversity. Just getting out of the car to go and to get a Starbucks is overwhelming for a lot of kids today. And so we want to build kids that are resilient and tough and can stand on their own two feet. And you do that by not going in front of the car and clearing out the road for your child, but helping your child be prepared for that road ahead that's going to be bumpy, that's going to have divots and speed bumps. And that's your job as a parent, not to shield and protect them from everything, but to make them be able to handle it and help them have that grit and that resilience. They stand on their own two feet and handle whatever life throws at them. And it's hard. It's easier said than done because you hate seeing your kid not fitting in at school or getting Mm -hmm. bullied. And so you kind of have to walk this fine, you know, high rope balancing act. But if you can have those conversations like we've talked about, like, yeah, I guess, you know, you're not getting a lot of playing time. So you got two options. You can either keep this going and not get any time, or do you want to start practicing outside of practice time? I notice how much time do you practice when it isn't practice with your teammates? Zero. Okay, well, maybe that has something else to do with it a little bit. So it's having these conversations and being able to be honest and not just so overprotective that they don't have any basis of what real life is. Okay, this is really good. So I want to drill down this because I want I really want moms to hear this. Because I think probably some moms are listening and going, I don't see the connection between failure and resilience. So I see that in the conversation, what you just did. But can you talk about that more? Because it's like, you know, parents can get triggered like, oh, my God, my kid's a failure. But how does failure lead to resilience? Yes. So one of the biggest things, and there was a really cool research that came out, is that the kids that get the most out of these situations when it comes to resilience and failure is when parents are praising not the outcome. So not did you get the A, not did you do well on the test or make the team, but actually for effort. And so for the kids who aren't succeeding and are having a tough time in whatever that lane is that we're talking about, when you praise the effort and not the outcome, it exponentially bumps up their confidence and their ability to want to continue doing what they're doing and their level of improvement. Now, counterintuitive to that is the kids who things come naturally for, who are naturally a good athlete, who naturally do well in school, when you praise the outcome and they didn't have to give much effort, then they really plateau and they don't accelerate to the next level because they don't have to because they have some natural talents. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So it actually does the same thing and even more when it comes to praising the effort for kids that are high achievers and are those type A kids, which are a lot of the ones that we talk about here. Mm -hmm. So failure and resilience, the thing that I would say is praise effort. Make sure your emphasis is on their effort because, man, if a kid puts in all these hours and hours, you can be proud of them for that. And if the outcome isn't always exactly what you wanted it to be or what they want it to be, that's okay. You're doing the diligent hard work. And again, that confidence comes from those small wins, right? Mm-hmm. And the only reason I ever stepped on a basketball court as the smallest person every single time and had as much confidence as I did was because I knew I had worked harder and spent more time. And even with that, I failed a lot more than I ever succeeded in sports and in life. So that's just part of the process. And you just have to keep emphasizing that and using examples from your own life too. 
Like, man, I didn't get that promotion. Hey, I did kind of lose my temper at dinner, whatever the situation is. But that is a tough one. And I understand why your parents are like, I don't want them to give up. I don't want them to feel down on themselves. I don't want them to think they're a loser. Mm -hmm. But I would take someone who goes for it and is fearless and isn't afraid to fail, even in failing, than someone who doesn't do anything at all because they're too cool for school. They don't want to look like they're trying. And if you never try, then you don't fail. That's how a lot of people are today, especially with social media. Because like, how am I ever going to sing when Taylor Swift makes, you know, the greatest pop songs of all time? You know, so why would I even start? And so you got to focus more on yourself, like you said, in your journey mm -hmm. and less on other people and do it to prove yourself right and not to prove other people wrong. Right. And so I'm going to just highlight what you said even before this, because that's absolutely true. And I also think that parents can talk to their kids. And I think when kids fail, that they just kind of go to because they have that black and white thinking is like, well, then I'm just a loser. I'm just powerless. You know, they just give up. So like what you said earlier about, okay, like how bad do you want this? What do you think you could do to kind of improve yourself in this? You didn't actually practice before. I mean, you have to be careful. Your parents can't say that, but in a very tactful way, like yeah. how much time did you spend practicing? Would you be open to working with a coach? Would you be open to getting up earlier? And then we go back to those building the confidence. So there's kind of a circular thing between confidence and resiliency, isn't there? Big time. I hate using the cliches, but seeing things not as a problem, but as an opportunity, right? Okay, mm -hmm. so you hear the Michael Jordan thing, he didn't make the team. They leave out that he also grew like eight inches or, or some obscene amount over the summer and came back a, a lot bigger, which helps for basketball, right? I'll give you a quick example. In Hollywood, when I'm going out for auditions, when I was in that phase of my life, no you're not good enough. You're not the right, you don't have the good look. You don't wear the thing. You're not funny, like whatever. No, 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 no. And you just get rejected over and over again. So you can either become a very <laughs> depressed, unhappy person, which is the case if you've ever been around someone who's out there trying to make it as an entertainer, or you can look at it as like every no I get is getting me that much closer to the yes that could completely change my life. And then who knows, one day you might find yourself on set being hand-fed cheeseburgers by <laughs> Heidi Klum or playing one-on-one -on -one with Kevin Durant or, or or hanging out with Kobe Bryant. So it really is like if I had just gone in like, all right, you know, failure is embarrassing. It is. It does suck. But that's what makes a difference. I would argue the people that are the most successful, the Oprah Winfrey's, you name it, they're the people who failed the most. And that really is, if you talk to a lot of those people, they'll be like, oh, yeah, just because you don't hear about it, here's all the things that failed over and over and over again. So the more you can get yourself and your kids or whoever you care about to realize that, the better it's going to be. Well, you're motivating me. I'm, <laughs> I'm just go. wanting to, yeah, I'm wanting to run down the hall and just, I don't know, do something. This is great. <laughs> so how do you help teams balance academic responsibilities with personal growth and well-being? Yeah, that's such a great question. Thank you for that. And I'll kind of put it like this. The thing that I have been obsessing over the last six months, I can't stop consuming content and thinking and putting together ideas, is this thing right here. Oh, mm -hmm. and if for those who listen, I'm holding up my phone. And <laughs> if you're really looking close, you can see that my background actually says attitude is everything. 
So I have that, <laughs> I actually have it on the side of the tour bus I'm in right now. I have it on the back of my computer and I have it on the phone to constantly remind me because it's so important, but at the same time, it's really hard and I still struggle with it all the time. But for this thing about the phone and time management and balancing these things, here's my personal opinion from everything that I've seen and from all the parents' feedback that I've heard over the years. Your relationship with your phone is going to make or break your life. And that is whether you're an adult or you're a kid. And sadly, the majority of kids today have their phone totally unsupervised and are able to access whatever they want, whenever they want. I can't think of a more terrifying situation. You know, they say there's a really good documentary out on, and you can watch it on YouTube. It's called Childhood 2.0. And it basically says, giving your kid unfettered, unrestricted internet access is like taking them and putting them in a room. And in that room, there's three magazines. There's a lifestyle magazine, there's a sports magazine, and then there's pornographic magazine. And then that's like you leaving the room and saying, all right, choose wisely and seeing what happens. And that's not social media. That's just on what they can search. So I think most people don't have the willpower to be able to resist the phone. I know I don't. I'll go watch sports highlights. I'll watch fishing. I could spend all hours. I won't get enough sleep. I won't get enough exercise. I won't get the things done. It's fun. It is the most entertaining. It's sending dopamine hits to my brain, making me happy, making me laugh, making me feel different things. And those are all good things. Escapism is a good thing. But the average team today is about eight hours. And I'll go to a school and I'm doing one of these next week. I'm really looking forward to it. All right, raise your hand. You got an iPhone. All right, let's go in your settings. I want to see how much screen time you're using. And it will be 15, 16, 17, over hours in one day. Not only is it not foreign, it's almost the norm of how much these kids are spending on their phone. Mm. And the amount of time they could be doing anything, learning another language, exercising, developing meaningful relationships in real life. It's keeping them from being able to get 10,000 hours and be successful. And unfortunately, a lot of it is them comparing themselves to other people. They look better than me. They sing like Taylor Swift better than me. They have more followers. They're funnier. They were invited to the thing that I wasn't. And so in order to have a shot at having any sense of health in a person's life, you have to put systems in place. So you have to say, this is how many hours it's going to be. And this is what apps I'm allowed to use. Here are the things I'm allowed to look at. Here's the time of day that I can do it. And I am so strict with this in my own life. People, you know, close to me will tell you, they can't get in touch with me. And that's by design because I don't want unfettered access from outside people and from outside influences because what do we all know? As you think you are, where your thoughts go, your energy flows. And kids are being influenced for all kinds of horrible things. And I think we know what those are and are being contacted by people. And we don't have the self-control discipline to resist it. It's the same people that make casinos. And these people who have invented this technology, guess what? They don't let their own kids use it. So that should be enough. And the other little end piece on this, I know I went on a TED talk, but the end piece word is not just, again, preparing the road ahead of your child, but preparing your child for the road. The answer isn't just taking it completely away from them. Because at some point, they're going to have to learn how to have this relationship with their phone. And are they going to be in control or is the phone going to be controlling them? And I would argue that most people today, not just kids, most people 
are being controlled by their phone. So although you help them put up systems, although you have conversations, you need to help them understand. And there are some great documentaries and things that you could do to have these conversations that helps them realize, okay, I get it. If I don't do this, I don't feel good afterwards. And this isn't the best use of my time. And if I want to get really good at singing like Taylor Swift, then instead of that eight hours a day, which is enough for an adult full-time job, I could do some vocal lessons and I could watch maybe 30 minutes of YouTube singing instructions from Taylor Swift and learn how to get better. So I want people to go from watching other people live quote unquote life, which most of it's fake, to living an awesome life. And if you're living an awesome life, you don't have to tell other people how awesome your life is. You don't have to tell them how much money you make, what kind of car you drive. You could just live a great life and be happy. And unfortunately, people today are so addicted to attention, good or bad, unfortunately. And it's a real problem. Ooh, this is good. (laughs) So when you're talking to teens, it's like they consider the online world the real world. Yeah. So how do you get them interested in the offline world? Yeah, great point. And I even stopped calling it the real world versus the online world. And it's like the digital world, right? But there's something hardwired into us because we are human beings that we are built and designed for community. And you can't get that through a screen. You can't get it through a YouTube forum. You can't get it through a video game. You can't get it through social media. And so that's the biggest thing that we help teens with is we help them to team up. And that's how I was. I felt completely lonely and isolated in Alaska when people were telling me that I couldn't be a basketball player. But when I teamed up with basketball, my life completely took off in another direction. I found my tribe. I found my community of like-minded people that I felt a sense of belonging in. And kids today, when they don't have that, that's when they have this social anxiety. That's when they withdraw into their room and they're on their phone and their self-esteem's low because they're comparing themselves to people. We are built for human interaction in real life and teaming up with the right group of community will absolutely eradicate most of the issues that kids are struggling with today and transform their life. I 100% agree. So how do you foster open and effective communication between yourself and the teenagers you coach? Yeah. So like I said, I'm a screwball. I'm a goofball. (laughs) And for me, (laughs) if you haven't already figured that out, Colleen, you already got it. But I don't want to be Dr. Phil. I don't want to be Tony Robbins because I never will be able to do that. And that's not who I am. I'm the guy that dribbles a basketball and does basketball tricks and has an underdog story and likes to have as much fun along the way and help people that I can. And so for me, it's that shift from therapy and seeing like a licensed psychologist and those people are great and I work with them. I just am the fun upfront person who develops that rapport and connection with them. And I do it, like we said, by being vulnerable, sharing my struggles and meeting them halfway. And when you do that, kids, they're so happy to meet you in the middle when they know that you're doing the same thing because that's how a relationship works. That's how a friendship works. So that's a little bit of the secret sauce for us when we're working with kids is to make it fun. So I'll find out what they're into. You know, one kid the other day, I didn't know what this was, a squish mallow. These bears, well, they're all the animals, but they're like a squishy animal. Uh-huh. I'll find out everything of this. We'll send them some and surprise them. We find out what the kids are into and then take an interest in that and talk about those things. And now you've showed respect by buying into their world and mm-hmm. that earns trust. And mm-hmm. then once you have that trust and you have that rapport, then, you know, the sky is the limit. So for me, it's finding out what that kid is into 
And I have a little bit of an advantage over your moms because guess what? I'm not their mom. And so that's such the important part. A lot of times I will say the exact same thing that you might be saying to your son or daughter, Mm -hmm. but because I'm just this outside person that's coming and making them laugh and having fun, making fun of myself, that they're like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it, mom. Jesse said, you know, your life is the average of the five people you spend the most time with. (laughs) You start doing that more better people. And mom will be like, what the heck? I've told you that every week for the last three years but we call it the same message, different messenger. And so it takes a village. It takes a village, especially in today's age. And so that's what's so special about it is we have a really awesome community, just like you, like-minded parents that are supporting one another and really doing life, being that community. You know, everyone team up, not just the kids. Yeah, I talk about like kind of building the tribe around your teen and also around yourself. But I want to add one thing since I am a mother. Yes, yes. Is I always encourage my moms to get out of being the 24-7 monitor where you're just managing them. Like, you know, you need to get up, give me your phone, eat, take a shower, let's get in the car. And moms can get stuck in that. And I always tell them, your relationship is multifaceted. You don't want to be this one monitor. And I, I talk about like, if you went to lunch with yourself, would you ever go to lunch with yourself again? You know, if you're saying like, why are you eating that? What's up with your hair? You know, do you really need that dessert? Yeah, it's it's like, who likes that? So I always encourage my moms, just even if it's 10, 15 minutes a day, drop the monitor and show that adulthood can be attractive. Like smile, be goofy. Join them in watching some kind of TikTok video. Be relatable. So that relatable thing can be applicable to moms. And it's not going to be like 24 seven, but just a little bit of that is then they just like, Oh my God, she's normal. You know? And if not, it's like, you're just the downer of downers as moms and moms can be fun. Break out in a dance while you're cooking. Your kids will think it's, you're weird and everything, but they'll laugh. I love that. I think those are such powerful moments. And I would argue those are the moments that build that trust. And you build it through time and having Mm -hmm. those moments. And then when it comes to the important moments where they need to reach out for help, they're going through something difficult because you put in that time and built that trust by doing that, then they're going to come to you. So it's like this waiting game. You're building it up. And yeah, you can't be super good cop, bad cop. You know, you can't be the bad mom, you know, strict enforcer all the time. And whether it's going on a walk or... I mean, I don't think any of us, when you were a teen, what about you? Did you see your parents as real people? I didn't realize my mom was an actual real person until 26. I apologize to her. I didn't know that she had her own life and dreams and all these things. So one thing that could maybe be a cool thing to try for your listeners, we do this in our program, is we have our parents record a series of videos for their kids that get a little bit more emotional Mm -hmm. and by the end, it's, you know, some pretty heavy stuff. Like, here's what I'd miss the most about you if you weren't around anymore. And then we send it to them and your parents can just do this on their own. Send it to them when they least expect it. And it kind of takes them out of that in person and seeing this video of like, oh, this is my mom and she loves me so much. She's taking the time to share this memory and share this experience, give this piece of wisdom to me. And that's one of the things that moms come to me very emotional about as how it helps repair their relationship that they Mm. hear this one a lot. Maybe you hear this. 
I feel like I lost my little girl. I feel like I lost my little boy and they aren't the same person. And so helping them to be able to come and say, hey, I got my little girl back. I got my little boy back mm-hmm. is the greatest thing that you can hear. And I'm so grateful for that. So with those moments that you're talking about, maybe they can mix in some stuff of, hey, a little video or a walk or doing something that's just valued time together. Doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Actually, my moms will say they think an alien abducted their child. <laughs> okay, okay. I like that. I haven't heard that one. I'm going to listen to that now. Okay. One more question. So why is positive reinforcement important in the development of teenagers? Yeah. So I think I would go back to that study that I was talking about earlier. So it's so funny. I just got a doggy door. And so this dog, at first, it doesn't want to go in and out. Little Milo, and now he's in and out. You can't keep him. He's got, got me going dizzy. But we all know that it is it is tough if you're only enforcing, like you said, being the parent who's like, you didn't eat your vegetables, your hair looks crazy, button your shirt. At a certain point, the kid is going to tune out. But if you can focus on those things that are like, hey, you did a really good job, because sometimes with kids, there isn't a lot of positive things that you can reinforce. They're really mm-hmm. struggling. They're really having a hard time. Mm-hmm. You can find those things because like I said earlier, we're all unfortunately or fortunately are seeking attention, especially mm-hmm. today, especially kids with the way that the world is built. So if they can get that attention for the positive things, and like I said, if there isn't a lot of positive things, they aren't doing well in school, they aren't getting along with friends, they're fighting with mom and dad. All right, what? is some things where we can put an emphasis on effort. And that can be the area that can really, really make a huge difference. Yeah, so good. Well, I could talk to you forever, but we need to end this podcast. So how can moms get in touch with you or learn more about you? Yeah, so we put it all in one place. It's theattitudeadvantage.com slash welcome. So podcasts, Facebook group where we put out a ton of free stuff. The speaking stuff I go do, our teen program, our school program, and a bunch of other things that I can't remember. They're all there. <laughs> That's advantage.com slash welcome. Awesome. So I will put that in the show notes. What a delightful conversation. I loved it. Me too. And we want you to come on our podcast. So everyone, you know, tell her we want her on there. Peer <laughs> pressure her. For Yay. Good. Yay. I get to see you again. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was so fun. It was fun. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.